Chapter eighty six of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter eighty six in which mr paul dangerfield mounts the stairs of the house by the churchyard and makes some arrangements the white figure glided duskily over the bridge the river rushed beneath in egyptian darkness the air was still and a thousand celestial eyes twinkled down brightly through the clear deep sky upon the actors in this true story he kept the left side so that the road lay between him and the phoenix door which gaped open with a great hospitable grin and crimsoned the night air with a glow of candlelight the white figure turned the corner and glided onward in a straight swift line straight and swift as fate to the door of dr stirk he knocked softly at the hall door and swiftly stepped in and shut it how's your master just the same please your honor just sleepin still sleepin sleepin always answered the maid has the dublin doctor come no the mistress where's she in the room sir with the master present my service to her mr dangerfield's compliments you know and say i await her permission to come upstairs presently the maid returned with poor mrs stirk's invitation to mr dangerfield to walk up up he went leaving his white surtout and cocked hat in the hall and entered the chamber where pale little mrs stirk who had been crying a great deal sat in a dingy old tabby sack by the light of a solitary mould candle at the bedside of the noble barney the mutton fat wanted snuffing but its light danced and splintered brilliantly over mr dangerfield's resplendent shoe buckles and up and down his cut steel buttons and also glimmered in a more phosphoric way upon his silver spectacles as he bowed at the door arrayed in a puce-cut velvet coat lined with pink long embroidered satin waistcoat fine lace ruffles and cravat his well-shaped leg gleaming glossily in silk and altogether in his glimmering jewellery and purple and fine linen resembling divas making a complimentary visit to the garret of lazarus poor little mrs stirk felt her obligations mysteriously enlarged by such magnificence and wondered at the goodness of this white-headed angel in point diamonds and cut velvet who had dropped from the upper regions upon the sad and homely floor of her barney's sick chamber dr dillon not yet arrived madam well tis precisely his hour we shall have him soon how does the patient ha ah, just as usual how why there's a change isn't there as how sir inquired mrs turk with a scared look why don't you see but you mustn't be frightened there's one coming in whom i have every confidence i don't see sir what is it mr dangerfield oh pray sir why uh 
nothing very particular only he looks more languid than when i saw him last and discoloured somewhat and his face more sunk i think eh oh no sir tis this bad light nothing more indeed sir this evening i assure you mr dangerfield at three o'clock when the sun was shining we were all remarking how well he looked i never saw you'd have said so such a wonderful improvement and she snuffed the candle and held it up over barney's grim features well madam i hope we soon may find it twill be a blessed sight eh when he sits up in that bed madam as i trust he may this very night and speak eh oh my precious barney and the poor little woman began to cry and fell into a rhapsody of hopes thanksgiving anecdote and prayer in the meanwhile dangerfield was feeling his pulse with his watch in the hollow of his hand and aren't they better his pulse sir they were stronger this morning by a great deal than last night it was just at ten o'clock don't you perceive sir hmm well i hope mom we'll soon find all better now have you got all things ready you have of course a sheet well aired a sheet i did not know twas wanted hey this will never do my dear madam he'll be here and nothing ready and you'll do well to send over to the mess-room for a lump of ice tis five minutes past nine if you'll see to these things i'll sit here madam and take the best care of the patient and you see mistress stirk twill be necessary that you take care the tool hears nothing of dr dillon's coming it struck me when originally reading the correspondence which is digested in these pages as hardly credible that dr stirk should have continued to live for so long a space in a state of coma upon this point therefore i took occasion to ask the most eminent surgeon of my acquaintance who at once quieted my doubts by detailing a very remarkable case cited by sir a cooper in his lectures volume one page one seventy two it is that of a seaman who was pressed on board one of his majesty's ships early in the revolutionary war and while on board this vessel fell from the yard-arm and was taken up insensible in which state he continued living for thirteen months and some days so with a little more talk mrs stirk calling one of her maids and leaving the little girl in charge of the nursery ran down with noiseless steps and careworn face to the kitchen and mr dangerfield was left alone in the chamber with the spellbound sleeper on the bed in about ten seconds he rose sharply from his chair and listened then very noiselessly he stepped to the door and listened again and gently shut it then mr dangerfield moved to the window there was a round hole in the shutter and through it he glanced into the street and was satisfied by this time he had his white pocket handkerchief in his hands he folded it deftly across and across into a small square 
and then the spectacles flashed coldly on the image of dr stirk and then on the door and there was a pause what's that he muttered sharply and listened for a second or two it was only one of the children crying in the nursery the sound subsided so with another long silent step he stood by the capriole-legged old mahogany table with the scallop shell containing a piece of soap and a washball and the basin with its jug of water standing therein again he listened while you might count too and dipped the handkerchief so folded into the water and quietly squeezed it and stood white and glittering by stirk's bedside people moved very noiselessly about that house and scarcely a minute had passed when the door opened softly and the fair magnolia mcnamara popped in her glowing face and brilliant glance and whispered are you there mrs stirk dear at the far side of the bed dangerfield with his flashing spectacles and snowy aspect and a sort of pant rose up straight and looked into her eyes like a white bird of prey disturbed over its carrion she uttered a little scream quite pale on a sudden for she did not recognize the sinister phantom who glimmered at her over the prostrate stirk but dangerfield laughed his quiet hollow ha 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 and said promptly a strange old nurse i make miss mcnamara but what can i do mrs stirk has left me in charge and faith i believe our patient's looking mighty badly he had observed miss mag glancing from him to the dumb figure in the bed with a puzzled kind of horror the fact is stirk's face had a leaden tint he looked evidently enough even in that dim candlelight a great deal worse than the curious miss mag was accustomed to see him he's very low to-night and seems oppressed and his pulse is failing in fact my dear young lady he's plainly worse to-night than i like to tell poor mrs stirk you understand and his face looks so shiny and damp-like said miss mag with a horrible sort of scrutiny exactly so miss tis weakness observed dangerfield and you were wiping it with your pocket-handkerchief when i looked in continued miss mag was i <laughs> tis wonderful how quick we learn a new business i vow i begin to think i should make a very respectable nurse tender and what the dickens brings him up here asked miss mag of herself so soon as the first shock was over the oddity of the situation struck her as she looked with perplexed and unpleasant sort of inquiry at mr dangerfield just then up came the meek little mrs stirk and the gentleman greeted her with a oh, well madam i have not left this bedside since you went down and i think he looks a little better just a little eh i trust and pray sir that when the doctor began mrs stirk and stopped short for mr dangerfield frowned quickly and pointed towards miss mag who was now after her wont looking round the room for matter of interest and is pell coming out to-night asked miss mag quickly 
no truly madam answered the gentleman dr pell's not coming is he mrs stirk dr pell oh la no sir no my dear and after a pause oh ho oh, i wish it was over she groaned with her hand pressed to her side looking with a kind of agony on stirk what over asked miss mag just then a double knock came to the hall door and mr dangerfield signed sternly to mrs stirk who first stood up with her eyes and mouth wide open and then sat down like a woman going to faint but then the maid came up and told miss mag that her mother and lieutenant o'flaherty were waiting on the steps for her and so though loath to go unsatisfied away she went with a curtsey to mr dangerfield and a kiss to mrs stirk who revived on hearing it was only her fat kindly neighbour from over the way instead of black dr dillon with his murderous case of instruments the gentleman in the silver spectacles accompanied her to the lobby and offered his hand but she dispensed with his attendance and jumped down the stairs with one hand to the wall and the other on the banisters nearly a flight at a time and a cackle of voices rose from the hall door which quickly shut and the fair vision had vanished dangerfield's silver spectacles gleamed phosphorically after her from under his lurid forehead it was not a pleasant look and his mouth was very grim in another instant he was in the room again and glanced at his watch tis half-past nine he said in a quiet tone but with a gleam of intense fury over his face and that that doctor named nine dangerfield waited and talked a little to mrs stirk and the maid who were now making preparations in short sentences by fits and starts of half a dozen words at a time he had commenced his visit ceremoniously but now he grew brusque and took the command and his tones were prompt and stern and the women grew afraid of him ten o'clock came dangerfield went downstairs and looked from the drawing-room windows he waxed more and more impatient down he went to the street he did not care to walk towards the king's house which lay on the road to dublin he did not choose to meet his boon companions again but he stood for full ten minutes with one of dr stirk's military cloaks about him under the village tree directing the double fire of his spectacles down the street with an incensed steadiness unrewarded unrelieved not a glimmer of a link not a distant rumble of a coach-wheel it was a clear frosty night and one might hear a long way if any of the honest townsfolk had accidentally lighted upon that muffled glaring image under the dark old elm i think he would have mistaken it for a ghost or something worse the countenance at that moment was not prepossessing mr dangerfield was not given to bluster and never made a noise but from his hollow jaws he sighed an icy curse towards dublin which had a keener edge than all the roaring blasphemies of donnybrook together and with another shadow upon his white face 
he re-entered the house he'll not come to-night mom he said with a cold abruptness oh thank heaven that is i'm so afraid i mean about the operation dangerfield with his hands in his pockets said nothing there was a sneer on his face white and dark somehow that was all was he baffled and was dr stirk after all never to regain his speech at half-past ten o'clock mr dangerfield abandoned hope had it been dr pell indeed it would have been otherwise but black dillon had not a patient his fame was in the hospitals there was nothing to detain him but his vices and five hundred pounds to draw him to chapel is it he had not come he must be either brained in a row or drunk under a table so mr dangerfield took leave of good mrs stirk having told her in case the doctor should come to make him wait for his arrival before taking any measures and directing that he should be sent for immediately so mr dangerfield got into his white surtout silently in the hall and shut the door quickly after him and waited a grim sentry under the tree with his face towards dublin father time had not blunted the white gentleman's perceptions touched his ear with his numb fingers or blown the smoke of his tobacco pipe into his eyes he was keen of eye sharp of hearing but neither sight nor sound rewarded him and so he turned after a few minutes and glided away like a white ghost toward the brass castle in less than five minutes after the thunder of a coach shook dr stirk's windows followed by a rousing peal on the hall door and dr dillon in dingy splendors and a great draggled wig with a gold-headed cane in his bony hand stepped in and diffusing a reek of whiskey punch and with a case of instruments under his arm pierced the maid who opened the door through with his prominent black eyes and frightened her with his fiery face while he demanded to see mrs stirk and lounged without ceremony into the parlor where he threw himself on the sofa with one of his bony legs extended on it and his great ugly hand under his wig scratching his head End of chapter 86 Recording by John Brandon